0: Learn more about student visionaries of the year or nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Tuesday, August 3rd. I'm smiling broadly. I promised Mark that I would be more upbeat today than yesterday because maybe I was a little, I don't know, tough. I don't mean to be tough. Maybe it was a little bit of the Monday blues. Maybe. I usually like Mondays a lot. Monday's my huge day. You know, it's like a coach. I have to be more Ted Lasso. I am so not Ted Lasso, but I really would like to be more like Ted Lasso. So that's why I'm going to be more Ted. Uh, let's get into your questions. If you've got one about anything financial, send us a note. Ask Jill at Jill on Money. Com. Okay, this question is from, oh, good. They're not making me pronounce this name because it's impossible. This is from Anonymous. I'm 45 years old and our house could use some updating. Priority is the kitchen. Cost could be 75 dollars to $100,000. We have a brokerage account, $200,000. $70,000 of the gains are long-term capital gains. $45,000 of cash. 30 is in the emergency fund. All right we going to use the money to remodel the kitchen, or are we going to get a home equity line of credit? Let's find out. 45, children in college, one, uh, and they're paying for that out of cash flow. Student loans, their own, I guess so, $29,000 at 2.65%. Content with paying slowly until we get sick of it. (laughs) Car loans, none. HELOC, Um, So, they have a home equity line of credits already established. There's a $150,000 limit, three and a quarter percent variable. House value, a million bucks. Mortgage, just over half a million. Retirement accounts, 600,000. Brokerage account, 200,000. I prefer not to take loans, but I also prefer not to sell investments. (laughs) He says, uh, after all, I've become very close friends with them over the last several years. Okay. I prefer using the HELOC over selling the investments if it came down to it. They make about $300,000 a year. They save 80 grand a year, cash flow 30 grand in college costs, and they live in a high cost of living area. What do you think about the home equity line of credit, Mark? I'm inclined to use it. I really am. What do you think? Yeah. I don't want to sell the investments. Let's use the home equity line of credit. It's already established. Let's not go crazy and pay it back fast. And if something weird happens, or if for some reason in that brokerage account, you are potentially trying to do a little reallocation or something like that, then yeah, you could whack that down a little bit, but yeah, let's do it. Okay. This is from somebody uh, named, I'm going to say H because this also seems funny. Okay. Hi, Jill and Mark. Thank you so much for what you do. And thanks even more for your positivity and kindness. See, I was positive and kind. Not yesterday though. Okay. H says, I was lucky enough to be part of a company that IPO'd earlier this year. And I've got a few stock options. As I understand, I've got multiple ways to cash them in. So when you have a stock option, you can exercise them and that's true. And you can immediately sell them if you immediately sell them, you've got short-term capital gains. If you exercise your options and you hold them for more than a year, then you'd be subject to long-term capital gains. Okay. Depending on my strategy, I will either face AMT and a long-term capital gains bill or income tax bill. He says the AMT and long-term capital gains seems to be the way to go to minimize taxes, but I'm not familiar with how to go about exercising options and documenting this for taxes That's where I think I could use a financial or tax advisor. I'm not sure how to find someone who specializes in this kind of advice. Most of the firms, big and small, usually talk about what to do with your money once you have it. Can you suggest how I go about this search, given that I need to exercise the compensation exercise strategy and its tax implications? First of all, any CPA will be able to do this. That's what I would say. And I probably would lean towards doing this with a, tax person, not an advisor, especially if you want to be in control of the proceeds, okay? But I want to put out one other thing just to keep in mind. I don't know what the company is. You didn't mention that, but you mentioned your tax situation. What about the just general investment risk? A lot can happen in a year, good or bad. And I think that often when we are employees and you're considering this, you might want to at least think about, do I really want to take the risk that this money that I have could go down dramatically during the one year that I'm waiting for my tax liability to be smaller? So I just put that out there for you to consider that a lot of weird things can happen in a year. And I'd hate for you to get to a year from now, and I'm just going to make numbers up. Let's just say you had a half a million dollars in value today. And by exercising and selling, You'd have to pay a big chunk of that, you know, probably a third of that would have to go to pay income taxes. But, you know, you could wait a year and your tax liability might drop down, but so too could the price of the stock. So I would consider that H before I made the decision, but go talk to a CPA, just ask some friends of yours. They, they'll, they'll know the answer. It's very easy to do this. Okay. Here is a question from Yoni who is doing a cash-out refi on an apartment and thinking about using a portion of it to invest in high-dividend exchange-traded funds. Okay. Yoni says, I've got a 12-month emergency cash reserve. I max out my Roth IRA contributions. I get a 5% match in a traditional 401k. The mortgage would be my only debt. I pay my credit cards off every month. Good. I have taxable investment accounts with Betterment. And they also manage my IRAs. And I'm looking to diversify further with funds that can perhaps generate some income that I can use to supplement my monthly budget. Yoni lists has a, a link to a list of high dividend ETFs. What do you think about in some of these? Would it fit well with my betterment strategy? By refinancing, I will be shaving $300 off of my monthly payment since I'll be going from a 15-year, 3.375 fixed, with 140 grand left in the mortgage balance to a 30 year, and the 30 year, 250 thousand dollar loan, three and a quarter percent. No kids, not married, 31 years old, fully employed, with some freelance work on the side. Love the show. Been a daily listener for yeah for well over four years. It's funny, we haven't done the show for four years on a daily basis, but we are so happy to have you. I think what you're saying is, I want to leverage this thing called my apartment. And I think that the reason you're doing it is that you think you can make more money over the next 30 years with the cash that you pull out than you would by leaving it where it is. I mean, there is a risk to this strategy, I mean, it's the flip side of should I pay down a mortgage, right? And then I always say, oh, no, no, no. But I wonder how much money you have in these accounts. You're very young. I wouldn't necessarily do this. I I think that um, here's how I would do it. I get what you're saying. I wouldn't go 250. I think that I would do, maybe I'd split the difference. I w- might start my investment account with maybe 50 grand if you're going to do this. Because remember, it is it is certainly a cost of actually doing this loan. But you're going to stay in this place for a while, I presume. So Yoni, do me a favor. Mark and I are split on this. So send us how much money is in the taxable account and how much money is in the Roth IRA and how much money is in the 401k. Let us know how much also you make in in income so we can make a better judgment for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge dividend ETF person. I, I don't think you need to do that. I, I do think just if you were going to do any sort of cash um, cash out or you you have a lump sum, just use index funds. You don't need dividend growth funds. It, it's just, you know, keep it simple. Okay. Just keep it simple. It's much easier that way. You'll get dividends by buying the broad indices. It, it, I think you're going to be fine. But I wouldn't do that. I might, and then, by the way, if you're in Betterment, you're sort of buying into their algorithm. I kind of feel like either you're in or you're not. I wouldn't necessarily go beyond their algorithm. I would do what is indicated. Let's congratulate Victoria because Victoria's been accepted to a master's program, economics and big data. That's kind of cool. The school's abroad. And Victoria doesn't know if she can afford it. She says she's working as a bookkeeper. She makes 17 bucks an hour. Um, she'd start school in September. She's got $11,000 in savings, eight grand in stocks that I didn't know I had, but it's been in my name for eight years. That's kind of fun. $5,000 in stocks that uh, I invested in a while ago. Okay. I'm looking for a remote position to work during school. Okay. The cost of tuition. Oh, it's cheap. It's $6,000 per year for a two-year program. Cost of living $1,200 a month in Europe. Here's the catch. Can't take out a FAFSA or a Sally Mae loan because the program's been bumped from one country. I don't want to out you too much. One country to another, okay? We got $8,600 in student loans from undergrad. Because she can't take out federal loans, she's getting nervous that she's going to need to take out private loans. What are the options? Now, Mark, I feel better about 6,000. What do you think? 6,000 a year. That seems like okay. Yeah, okay. Here's what I think I would do presuming that you do this, your income will drop at least for a little bit. Maybe this year, you're not going to be in a high tax bracket. I would sell all the stocks, the ones that you didn't know, that you didn't know about and the ones you have. So you're going to have to pay some tax on that. But hopefully, again, you'll be in a lower tax bracket. So I would at the very least sell these, put it in your cash account, right? And now you're going to have 13, you got about 25 grand in cash. So You'll, you'll have some money to pay for the rent. But you know what I would do? I would go to our friends at Common Bond. That's what I would do. I would search. I would go private student loans because what else you got? What's your other option? And I presume that once you come out with this degree, especially with the big data part, uh, that you will be able to get a job making more than 17 bucks an hour. So what I think I would do is I would sell my stocks, put everything in cash right now, I wonder what happens to those student loans. She's going to probably start having to pay those back October 1st. So what I would do is I would go look for a private student loan in the company that I have most familiar with. I'm not endorsing it. It's just that I know it is called Common Bond. And I would check that out. And I would go live in Europe and have a good time for two years and don't spend too much money and try to get a remote job. But I think it's, I think it's going to be good for her. Uh, Okay. Bruce says that he enjoys my segments on CBS News. And he says, especially because I've retired from a financial planning career. You've discussed supply and demand as a concept, the most basic of the economy. If I'm quoting you correctly, no one could have believed that the recovery in demand would be so sudden and strong. I'm wondering if there had been a crystal ball that enabled us all to see what would happen later in the pandemic cycle. What difference do you think that would have made to how business reacted when demand fell off at the pandemic start? Would we have laid off workers if we knew how hard it might be to get them back again? That is such a great question. I think if businesses had the crystal ball that they would not have laid them off. Now, let's just say this: two things. Each business is different because travel and leisure might have had to anyway, for survival purposes. But if you had a crystal ball and you had a restaurant and you didn't have any income coming in, how could you have stayed? afloat? That's the question. I think that the that the issue on having things snap back within a year, it just depended how skinny your margins were coming into it. It's not exactly a V-shape, but when you are running a business that is so short-term in nature and so subject to really uh, global supply chain issues, maybe you would have done things differently. I'll tell you what, if the pandemic taught us anything, it's that these businesses that run on tight margins better have a lot more money in cash. You know, all those restaurants, we heard restaurants after restaurants and small businesses saying they had to close, they did this. But a lot of those those places closed, you know, with three months of closures. That means that they had pretty small cash cushions. And if you can't operate with a larger cash cushion, then, you know, you could be in trouble. But I think it's a it's a great thought experiment. Thank you for posing it, Bruce. Do you have a thought experiment for us? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com, Jill at jillonmoney.com. We would ask you to do something nice for someone else today. It will make that person feel good. It will make you feel good. Grit, growth, grace, gratitude. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow.